0: Carl Hayden, President of the Academy for Advancing Leadership. Welcome to AAL Leadcast. Today I'm talking with Dr. Jim Galbally about higher education finance in these uncertain times. Dr. Galbally is a senior consultant for AAL and president of the Galbally Group, which provides strategic and operational counsel to college and university leaders. He's also a founding principal of the presidential practice where he supported university and college leadership to help them improve strategic direction and financial health. Dr. Galbley spent more than 30 years at the University of Pennsylvania where he was responsible for the strategic planning and operational management for the Penn School of Dental Medicine. Jim, these are dire times for higher education and particularly for independent colleges and universities Last month, Moody's investor services downgraded the credit outlook for the higher education sector to negative. An article today in Bloomberg read, the finances of small US colleges have big problems. And in a recent survey conducted by Inside Higher Education, college and university presidents said they're deeply concerned that the COVID-19 virus will not only have a major impact in the near term, but could remake and reshape higher education. Jim, let's start our conversation talking about a school's liquidity. Tell us about the life cycle of cash in a college or university.
1: Uh, Carl, thank you for this opportunity to talk about uh, these particular issues with you and your audience. Uh, There is a saying that cash is king. And that cash is what pays the bills. Now, at colleges and universities, especially the smaller private colleges, cash comes in twice a year. It comes in in the fall when the fall tuition bills are paid. It comes in in the spring when the spring tuition bills are paid. Uh, The tuition bills probably make up about 85% of, of the cash that a college or university receives for the year. Now, when the bills come in, cash is used to pay the bills. When cash runs out, which it does on an infrequent basis, but an increasingly frequent basis for schools, schools have to access, if they have it, a line of credit to continue to pay their bills for the fiscal year. Uh, in those cases where they don't have enough cash and line of credit to pay the bills, they will often look at their their the liquidity of their endowment funds. Now, keeping that in mind that you have three sources to pay your bills, uh, what we're facing now with with the the virus is the fact that schools have for the most part agreed to refund their students uh, room and board charges for part of the second semester. Uh, these refunds end up being, being a drain on cash. Uh, in addition, uh, if a school, many schools don't have summer programs. Summer programs is a small but increasing contribution to the cash of the college also. Part of it is used in one fiscal year and the other part is attributed to the next fiscal year. Uh, College presidents and, and their senior staff are now facing an issue where they are increasingly drawing down on their lines of credit. Now the line of credit is like a line of credit on your credit card. Once you spend it, you don't have it anymore unless you, re, you replenish it. Many schools will go into the line of credit in June uh, July and August and then when that first influx of cash comes in from the fall semester tuition, they will replenish that, that line of credit. What we're looking at now is a situation where schools don't know what their enrollment prospects are going to be for the fall. In addition, they're looked spending their liquid assets at a point where their monthly payroll and their monthly operating expenses uh, could drain their funds before the opening of the next, if not uh, before the end of the current fiscal year. Now, what's different about this than in other years is uh, in talking with the presidents that I've worked with over the years, they've been interested in two things. Number one, how did, I, how did my budget do for the fiscal year? Did I balance? And the second question they're interested in is, what does my fall term enrollment look like? Well, now we know that uh, fall term enrollments are going to be questionable because of the new rise of, of distance learning as, as a way that schools are now following, finishing up uh, the current uh, spring semester. So we're, we're, we're looking at a case of a whole lot of uncertainties there, as far as the financial status of these schools are, or will be uh, as we move into the spring and to the early summer. And I think this is what gave Moody's pause to, to reduce the uh, ratings of, of higher education, uh, you, you mentioned an article that you saw in Forbes. There was an article today in the Chronicle of Higher Ed uh, where Richard Eckman, the president of CIC, which represents uh, about 550 or 600 of the small liberal arts colleges, was much more guarded as far as his prospects were concerned on the stability of that sector.
0: Wow. So, how do how do colleges and universities plan for this future?
1: Well, m- most colleges have planned for a f- a future that begins on July one, if that's the beginning of their fiscal year, uh, and they did this prior to the virus happening. Uh, they're now faced with the issue of bringing a budget for the fiscal a plan a budget plan for fiscal twenty one. Uh, to their board of trustees in, in the spring. And uh, I'm not sure how many of them at various scenarios as far as what the, what the fiscal 21 is going to look like. Uh, school, schools are often slow in doing out-year projections. Uh, I, I think that the schools should be looking at two or three scenarios as they move forward, Uh, and one scenario being the best case, and the best case may be that they're going to have a fall enrollment that's 20% less than what last fall's enrollment was due to the fact that uh, students are going to be skittish, Uh, students may not return. I think, uh, I would think that from experience, that when we begin to look at the retention of students moving into their second year are going to be much more likely to look for options because they've only invested one year into the institution. Uh, And in the third year and fourth year may come back uh, at a higher rate uh, because they've already sunk two two of the four years into it. and, and then there, there begins the whole issue that the schools are going to be looking at with the uh, public-private partnerships, where they built dormitories and have made commitments to outside groups uh, for rooms, and these rooms may not be filled, and they're going to also have to, to to factor that in as they begin to as they begin to think about some scenarios for uh, fiscal 21. Uh, schools schools may want to just suspend Not come come up with a scenario that says uh we're, we're not going to open in the fall and it's becoming increasingly talked about that the virus effect may last for 18 months and if the virus effect lasts for 18 months then the schools uh may not may have no choice but not to open in in the fall uh, so uh This is tough, this is really tough. On top of that, schools that were in a precarious position prior to this, the virus situation, uh, should be thinking about some alternative futures and and begin to think, are there other schools that they could begin to merge with or or acquire uh, in order to stabilize uh, their financial bottom line or financial position as they move into 21. But I think the next couple of months are going to be very telling. I think people are beginning to realize this. I think the whole issue of cash becomes very important. Uh, uh, parenthetically, uh, the, the, the third leg of the stool of cash being investable assets that they liquidate. Uh, with the stock market going down, they're going to be liquidating, if they can, uh, endowment funds Maybe twenty percent less than they were two months ago. So, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a, a very challenging times.
0: Yeah, Jim, you you mentioned um, mergers. Uh, I have read that there are a number of institutions that have cash that enough cash, enough liquidity for only a matter of weeks, or in some cases, days. So institutions uh by the, by the end of uh of this of this quarter uh could very well be closing um what do you what do you say to um a president or to a board in a situation that is um uh, this severe that they may even have to close their 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 university or their college
1: i i i think That The first thing you you begin to tell your boards is, what is the real situation? Uh, Institutions that I've worked with over the years, we look at three types of reports with with their boards on a monthly or a quarterly basis. And and one of those reports is a cash report. I'm not sure how many boards really understand the true cash position of their institution. So the first thing you need to do is to begin to put all your cards on the table. Uh, the, the second thing you, you need is that your president has to act in, to, to stabilize the situation as best they can, so that uh, pe- people don't, don't begin to jump ship uh, because of the challenges they're now. The, the institution is now facing. At the same time, the president has to share. Uh, not only with the board, but with the faculty and the faculty leadership, what the true situation is. Uh, I represented a school back in early 2000s, it may, may have been 15 years ago, that ended up closing uh, because they didn't have any money and they were going through a, a merger with, with a, a third party and the, thir- and the merger fell apart. And they closed, and after they closed the faculty said, well, we really didn't understand how bad the situation was. So I think it's important that we sh- they share with the faculty uh, and the faculty leadership what, what's going on. I, I think a related question has to do with the alumni, because the alumni are proud of their school. And one way the alumni can begin to help the school is to recruit students for the school. Because every student you recruit is worth a whole lot of dollars on the bottom line.
0: Mm, I see. Well, thank you, Jim. Jim, you have been a, uh, a consultant and a coach to university and college leaders for years. And I'd like to ask for, for those administrators that are uh, looking to, to external Assistants that that need uh, help externally, what sort of advice do you have for them as they um, seek this external support or this external consultation or coaching?
1: Okay. I mean, one of the things that I would suggest that they do is to begin to talk to their community leadership and to see if there's any way that the community can help help. Financially, or in an in kind way. Uh, the second thing okay. is, I would talk to my the organizations that I'm um, I I am a member of. If if I'm a if I was 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 part of of the uh, of the Rich Ekman Group or I'm part of one of the other groups, uh, I would push them to begin to lobby heavily for. Not only my school, but for other schools, because I think that th- this is going to be a situation that's that's going to impact on everybody, uh, it, whether you're Harvard or, or you're a, a small liberal arts college in, in the middle of the Midwest. Uh, all, all schools are going to begin to face challenges. If you look back to the 2008 recession, which people talk about now. As a reference point, uh, I recently read that Harvard and Yale lost 20% of their endowment when the market went down the way it did in 2008. Well, for Harvard and Yale, uh, people may think they have a big endowment, but the, the endowment at most places is restricted. That means it is supporting a, a special purpose, whether it's a professor, a research lab, or something uh, related to that. Uh, if the professor doesn't go away and the research lab doesn't go away, then the school's budget is, is faced with picking up that loss of endowment during the period until such time as the endowment rebounds to its original uh, state. So, uh, I, I think the avenue at this point up uh, is a the community and b. Uh, the, the organizations that that represent the colleges uh, that can lobby on their behalf, uh, and I'd also try to work with my state leg <clears throat> my state legislator, because if my college goes away, the state legislator is going to have a big impact on his or her community that he rep he or she represents. So I think that there's that that would be what I would suggest. Uh, I don't think foundations have enough money at this point to do any t- to to make a significant uh, impact. And I'm sure they're they're being bombarded with questions and and inquiries concerning uh, funding from them for this. Uh, And uh, I guess the the last thing I would suggest is that the president and the president's cabinet work very closely together and in a very confidential way uh, so that they don't create a a scare on, on their campus or have rumors that impact on their students re-enrollment another group that's going to be impacted and and this goes across the board has to do with international students and what the impact of the virus is going to be on international students ability uh, to come into the states come the fall
0: i see well jim these are uh challenging times and i want to thank you for spending time with me on LeadCast today. Uh, And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us. And I'll invite them to come back to AAL LeadCast for additional interviews and insights about today's leadership challenges. To learn more about AAL and our services, please visit aalgroup.org. Jim, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your advice.
1: Have a good day, Carl. Thank you.